talking about the deep state, talking about things that no one else has the balls to talk about. The way that the United Nations is actually directing our government, directing us right into the hands of the banking elite that has now got our country $700 billion in debt. That's a huge amount of debt for every citizen. And we all suffer from it, whether we owe money to the banks directly or not. Amen. I have to go back 22 years. My first attempt at politics occurred in 1998. I started the Association of the Southern we actually raised 500 members before the 1998 election, before I was actually distracted by a huge bogus candidate that caused me to drop everything and look after myself. In that year, though, I had one of the most profound dreams that I've ever had in my life that stuck with me. And in that dream, I was a candidate for a Maori leader on day one. The second day, this Maori leader is involved in a very important contest. And I was heading for him that day, and I awoke thinking that it was my role to be a guy who support for a Maori leader that rose up and became great. One week ago, I've almost given up hope for this election and for the people who can see it. Then I heard Billy speak. And I realized that this is the man that I've been waiting for. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy, take up. Grace to, to deliver on it. 
Thank you very much for your wonderful speech. One, one it's a great privilege to be here this evening. Very unexpected in my life. I am the most reluctant politician you've ever met in your life. Six weeks ago, during the, lock, the lockdown, during the scandemic, <laughs> I was sitting on a Sunday afternoon with my beautiful wife and children, and the guy talking to her, my wife is from the Lapu tribe. Now, if you remember that, they're lovely people and make great wives. <laughs> one of my cousins said, Why don't you come down here and marry one of ours? And I said, Because I know what you all like. <laughs> And I say that to both sides of the way, fuck a pop of body, so I get away with a quick smile from my dog. But six weeks ago, I was sitting on my farm, contemplating the events that, that were unfolding before my eyes. I have studied geopolitics for almost 30 years since I was a very young man. When I joined the New Zealand Defence Force at the New Zealand Army, I had an interest in, in military uh, law and enforcement. I had an interest in military intelligence and I was able to entangle myself very early in my military career to get on very senior courses that, that, that people still to this day don't know how I managed to do that as a private because I was going to these courses with majors, captains, lieutenants, and next minute private Tekahika comes sneaking in the door with, a, with, with all the paperwork done. But that training that I, that I, that I got during the, the introductory course to enter into the New Zealand Military Intelligence Corps was a very disciplined course that I was fortunate enough to get off because it taught me how to, how to assess information, to package it, to evaluate it, and extrapolate possible outcomes and events leading from the information that we were given. Information, intelligence, same thing, different name. So I've been watching geopolitics for a long, long time. I've had the fortune uh, to have been involved in projects that have taken me overseas for business, uh, which, is, which is quite amazing really because I left school at 15 without qualifications. And, uh, but I, I got a master's in the, in the University of Life. And, but what they gave me though was a, was a real appreciation to, uh, to achieve without, without qualifications, to perhaps even start off with a little bit of a handicap, um, by, because I couldn't go through the scholastic stages that most people um, who like to think they're smart go through. And that's not an indictment on people who do that. I didn't do it because it didn't suit me. I wanted to be a musician, I wanted to be a great guitar player. My dad is a, is a well known legendary Maori guitar player um, called Billy TK, and he's an amazing musician, and I'm his son. And so I became a guitar player myself, and I've travelled the world for over 20 years playing major concerts and touring New Zealand with major international artists. So I've got a diverse background, corporate life, marketing, entrepreneur, stuff that, that I'm used to doing with my own hands and building them because I had to. But six weeks ago I was sitting on my farm and I was starting to get really, really uneasy. I was an advocate for the lockdown because I, 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 I was assured of my own um, understanding that this was a bioweapon that we were dealing with. There was no way that this virus could be a naturally occurring virus. <coughs> the evolution. Started studying it and then I went, bang, got it. 
got it. No, I'll, I'll enlighten you very shortly as to what I got. But what happened was, after examining the basis of the health crisis, it all started to unfold and break down and unpack and crumble before my very eyes because I knew that this was the event that the globalists were waiting for. I sat there on my farm and I thought, right, I'm going to broadcast some things about Agendas 21 and Agendas 30, United Nations programs of tyranny and totalitarianism and authoritarianism for both the left and the right. And I thought, why not have a go at him? You tell him no, what's going on. So I took a big breath and I thought, okay, a few thousand people know who I am from the Tartland. Didn't think much of it. A couple of thousand friends on Facebook thought, okay, I'll get a few hundred people watching it. Forty thousand tuned into it. It's well over fifty thousand. And what what happened was I said anything that you wanted to say, but I, I was the guy that, that came out after Carl started doing it. And I broadcast information on a credible, factual basis so that nobody from academia, from science world, from any part of, the, of this planet could turn out and say to me, you're a liar. You don't need the facts straight. And that's, and that's the secret in this war is being able to stay calm, factual, and on a credible footing. Because if you don't do that, then, then people just discredit you. They call you a conspiracy theorist. They don't really know what a conspiracy theorist is what that actually means actually. They really don't know because a conspiracy is the planning of the demise uh, developed by a small group for the demise of a larger group. That's the definition of verity from the, from, the, uh, from the dictionary. So a conspiracy is over here, then you have conspiracy theory, and over here you have conspiracy fact. There's a line in the middle, once it crosses over, it goes from being a theory to a fact. And what we deal with is fact. If you stay over here, you'll be dissected and broken down and discredited. So that's not where I belong. So I broadcast this message and it went viral. Horribly unexpected. Great total surprise. And I tried to ignore it for a few days. <laughs> really did. And then people were saying, can you do another one? So I did. That went viral. Some people saying, do another one, so you're tricked them into the Bible study the next time. <laughs> 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 and, um, and lots of people tuned into that. Even people of, of no faith, people of different faiths tuned into it. Because my position is, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter where you come from. In the higher echelon it does. But in our hum humanity, it doesn't matter where you come from, race, religion, or creed, the issue was freedom. The issue was freedom that we're dealing with here. So what I started to unpack was a, was a story that, that, that sits on the global scene, but it's amplified by what's happening here in New Zealand when we start to break it down. So once I realised that the, that the science didn't back up the narrative around the virus, then I really started to sink my teeth into the topic. But one of the, uh, the mind-blowing things that's happened to me as a, as a person who's found myself unwillingly in the public eye like this, is that I started to, to hear from people from all walks of life. 
the hairs, the head knots, the in the middles, the lifts, the rights, everyone started to contact me and send me messages about their fear, about their anxiety, about their hopes, about their dreams, about their concerns, that I was crazy. Yeah. But the picture I got was one of a of a society in our country that was being divided, that was being racialized, <coughs> that's been separated, and that was being made fearful. And fear is the key to control. Because if you can keep people in fear, they'll give everything up for it. And we've seen it since 9-11 in the United States with the Military Reauthorization Act, the NDA, the Patriot Act in the US, which has destroyed the US Constitution. So there's a lot of fear in New Zealand right now. There's a lot of despair. And then I started getting asked to go into politics and I went, no thank you. <laughs> I found myself on Maori television and uh, that went viral and loads more calls to get into, into this arena that I'm into now. Started hearing, I'm talking messages as soon as I open up my eyes to the moment I close them at night. Messages, please, please stand up. Please go into politics. Please do something about this. Please do something. And I chewed it over and over. I spat it out and picked it up again and started chewing it over and over and over again. Spoke about battle of my life. And she said, You don't need to do that. <laughs> and she did it. But I've been a, I've been a short term voluntary firefighter. I've done a short, short term in the police, which ended horribly for me because I've been with dishonest people in there. I've been a soldier, but all through my life I've wanted to serve New Zealand and the community. Ever since I was a young, young man, I was a naval cadet when I was a teenager. Why? Because we used to always look after all the old soldiers every day that day. And I'll never forget being, uh, being 14 years old at the Otahu RSA, drunk as a skunk at 10 in the morning. Because <laughs> 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 what happened was, all the older soldiers, you know, the old boys in the RSA, they just saw these 15 and 40 year olds in, in naval uniforms and they thought we were, thought we were regular naval class, um, military naval uh, uh, personnel. So they were like shouting us rum and drinks and you know, it was a great day. <laughs> so in the heart of me, as a very simple person, I've observed things, I've built my own things, and I've started from the ground. So. I'm you, you're me, I'm not a Freemason, which I've been asked about, even though after a lecture I did on Freemasonry the other week. I'm not a Scientologist, I'm not a member of Destiny Church, not a Mormon, not a secret agent of the UN, not a disinformation agent for the UN, I'm certainly not a, an agent for the New Zealand government. I'm your guy. that we have in Aotearoa, New Zealand, I'm here to announce tonight, hope has arrived, New Zealand Public Party is your voice, your power, your party, and I'm leading it into Parliament for you. Tonight I'm announcing to the world, to the new world order globalists, that New Zealand is going back to the people of our fair nation. New Zealand has just endured 
the greatest disaster to ever hit our shores. More disastrous than the COVID-19, than the earth, any earthquake, than any tsunami or tornado, we have been enduring the Labour government under the communistic leadership of the globalist Jacinda Ardern. Yeah. 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 The group that we have seen, that this government represents to all New Zealanders is greater than any threat of war that we've ever seen as a nation. I've spoken to soldiers that, that, have, that have fought in some of the older battles in the old Korea, Vietnam, and they all say the same thing. They're afraid. They've never seen a threat like this. Why? Because it's not overseas in a foreign land. It's in our borders. It's in our borders. The COVID-19 hoax has been based on proven faulty information from the Imperial College of London under the auspices of one Dr. Neil Ferguson. Dr. Neil Ferguson is a crook. He's made a career out of making projections, out of possible disasters, where he says, look, if you don't do this, there's going to be hundreds of millions of people dead. He's done it twice before and he hasn't stopped and he's done it again. He came out and said, if we don't confront the COVID-19 virus as a global unit, we would expect hundreds of millions of people to die. Has that happened? No, he's been discredited. He's been discredited from Stanford University. I'm a great fan of Dr. Well, Professor John Ryan Adams, who came out at great risk and peril to himself and he blew the lid on everything. And then other doctors turned up. Dr. Rashid Puttar, heaps of them have come out. Hundreds of these doctors and scientists around the world have said that this COVID-19 is a hoax. They're not discrediting the fact that the, that the COVID-19 virus exists. They discredit how it came about and they discredit the reaction to it. The reaction to it. Even our very own epidemiologists in Aotearoa, New Zealand, great leaders, globally recognised, like Professor Simon Forley, has come out six weeks ago, in fact, when we were still in force saying, that the reaction to the COVID-19 crisis with the lockdown had now far exceeded any justification. We were killing a cricket with a softball bat. It was unrequired. But he and his team, now labelled the Plan B team by this government, him and his team of credible professors and scientists who say that the narrative is completely wrong, and Dr. Action Bluefield is completely wrong, they've all been hushed up and gagged and talked into the corner and told to shut up. All of them. All of them. So we know that the Imperial College has been discredited. This information that they have been discredited for was then picked up by the World Health Organization. The same WHO who is in league with the Communist Chinese Party, the Chinese Communist Party, who are funded by Bill Gates, who has ownership of almost every major vaccine company in the world. who's in partnership with Dr. Anthony Fauci, who was Trump's advisor, suddenly disappeared. Why? Because they found out that Dr. Tony Fauci funded the same scientists on the Wuhan lab in Fort Detrick's bioweapons warfare facility unit in North Carolina, funded them to weaponize the COVID-19 virus that was actually a coronavirus that was not able to evolve into a transmission virus to humans. So they weaponized it, gave it to the Chinese scientists, 
She flew back to Wuhan, <laughs> gave her another 3.7 million US dollars of the taxpayers' money, and then they pressed so much for this white accident that she wore because of that was even an old one. Doesn't smell like does it? So what I did in my first presentation is that I, in the first forecast, I lined up all what I call the chain of evidence and the chain of players and actors. And all of them come back to, you guessed it, a similar idea. She's at the heart of it. She's right there. And I exposed it in my first forecast. And it went nuts. But this information that the WHO put out there was then then validated by non-medical billionaires like Mr. <coughs> Evil Bill Gates. He turns up, he doesn't have a doctorate in, medical, in the medical world at all. He didn't even write the Microsoft Word program, it turns out. But he comes out determined to vaccinate the entire globe based on what we know to be a lie. So this list of billionaires developed what they called the solution by way of possible vaccinations of vaccines. And it's funny enough, I found I've looked at all the patents for the vaccinations. I had the Purbright documents from the Purbright UK, uh, um, what they call it, like a university or, or a research lab. And guess who funds them? Bill Gates. Mm. But it doesn't stop there, it goes on and on and on in this chain of evidence and players. So what happened is that rogue elements of the US and Chinese medical world cooperated with intelligence services to release this on humanity. And it's well known in intelligence circles that that is exactly what happened to us. And this weaponized virus is now the excuse that they've always been looking for since 9-11 to ramp up the attacks on our freedoms. However, one of the great ironies that we're faced with right now is that the very man that makes all the decisions about your lives right now, your businesses, your jobs, how you live, is an unelected official called Dr. Ashley Bluefield. Who the heck is Dr. Ashley Bluefield? Who was he? Who was he? Well, in 2010, he was one of the executive heads of UTESTA, the World Health Organization's Infectious Disease has he got an interest in this? I think he has. He's indoctrinated. He's part of the plan. And hey, presto, you've got former president-elect of the International Socialist Youth Movement with the former WHO infectious disease executive. Bang. Jacinda Ardu, Ashley Bloomfield. And what have you got? You've got a scandemic. That's what you've got. That's what you've got. This pandemic has been the very cause that globalist global political leaders needed to usher in the United Nations UN Agendas 21 and Agendas 30. You need to find out what these are because they are the greatest challenges to the personal liberties and freedoms of all human beings on earth. These programs will force all humans into a funnel of control that of every aspect necessary for humans to live, and but not in peace and freedom of freedom. This loss of freedom will, will cause untold misery not seen since the dark ages under the darkness of Catholic control. And this is not an indictment against Catholics, because my own family are Catholic. I'm not a Catholic. My father is Catholic. The other half of my father is all one to none. Adherence. This is a moral
So it's not the people, it's the system that's walking down here. This type of control will mean that they will force everyone of us in high density population areas in urban environments, high density populations, where every aspect of our movement is controlled and regulated, where everything that we do can be monitored, listened to, and watched. <coughs> Here enters the 5G world. This will, this will cause untold misery for all living generations, especially us, because we know what it's like to go hunting, if Jacinda wants to do away with now. We know what it's like to go fishing, growing out of farms. I've got a, I live on a little tiny farm, only 23 acres, it's the baby farm on my, on my area around here. But we have a big garden, we grow as much of our own kai, kai, ma, ma, kai, our own food, as much as we can. We homeschool our babies, we try and stay as organic as we can, but that's all gone under the control of these guys. Because why? Because they will make sure that the seeds that you use, that you use to grow your food, is their seeds here in Monsanto and other similar corporates. And they will control every aspect of how they regulate what you want to build, what you want to do with your land, what you want to hunt, what you want to harvest, what you want to grow, what you want to eat, your medical stuff as well, your health, and also what you want to believe. Because I tell you what, in the core of this is a deeply, deeply evil and ungodly agenda and core to this. I call it the onion, and in the middle of this core, it's from a spiritual basis. And I don't say that easy because, and don't switch off because it's there. We're not going to talk about that tonight. That's not what I'm here to talk about tonight. But I tell you, there is. The banking system is a tool of, of the agendas. Because <coughs> if they can control food and money, they've got you. Got you right there, so that's what they're trying to do to us. Now, what has this crisis done to us? So, Jacinda Ardern, the globalist, brought this crisis into the forefront of New Zealand society, and she brought in a long-winded, unnecessary lockdown that has completely destroyed lives, businesses, caused caused suicides, and one of the saddest stories that I've I've heard out of this, and I've heard dozens of stories of people committing suicide, but the one that breaks me down. A wee bit, or a lot actually, to be honest with you, was the story of a pukakohe butcher who committed suicide because he had to close his business down, he couldn't operate, couldn't pay his bills, and because he didn't know, he, he thought he wasn't allowed to operate, so he killed himself. Two days later, oh no, he didn't need to do that, he was in a central business. So that's the confusion that they were causing out, out there. But another byproduct of this pandemic will be the undiagnosed cancers, heart disease, diabetes, the, di the, the domestic violence, and now the financial ruin that is about to descend upon us like a tsunami. But the second most group of alarms and impacts has been through the planned, systematic destruction of our freedoms through the unscrutinised, democracy-evading, stoutly introduced COVID-19 health response bill. I've never seen it, would never have believed it when I was in both services that one day I wouldn't need a warrant to go into Carl's house, take Carl out, arrest him, take him down to the station, then process him into a medical facility unit and force a procedure on him against his will. I would never have dreamt it. That's what this bill does. And this is what this government is trying to do to you right now. Right now. I would never have believed it. Never believed it when I was a member of those services. 
Following that is through Minister Tracy Martin, MP for New Zealand First. Who the heck is Tracy Martin? I've never even heard of her until recently. Yet she creates a bill called the what? The Internet Filtering Bill. <laughs> what is filtering? It's censorship. But who was who was Tracy Martin? Has anyone actually heard of Small handful. Small handful. Small handful. But she is a part, she is a part of the party that is led by one Winston Peters who threw New Zealand under the bus. And now he's living with it, right? <laughs> I, you know what? I've heard some things about what he's going through right now. He's not a happy man. He's not a happy man. And so I say, reap what you sow. But additional to the internet filtering bill, which senses what we put up in the digital space, are the 15 new bills that they try to rush through Parliament. And the joke of it is they call it the 15 bills in 17 hours program. What the heck is that? Now that wouldn't bother me so much, but for one thing, they're now starting to think of the New Zealand Bill of Rights. Now there are two documents, in my opinion, that you don't touch. One is the Treaty, one is the Treaty of Waitangi. The other one is the New Zealand Bill of Rights. Why? Because that's the common law standard for our country as a, form, as a, as a Commonwealth member. But it's also, even for non-Commonwealth countries like the United States, that's not their own version of it. But the New Zealand Bill of Rights is the very thing that's meant to protect New Zealanders from overreaching government. But you know what? I've learned in the last few weeks is that our constitutional network, our framework, doesn't protect us from anything like this because it doesn't exist. Subsequently, all governments have had a role in diminishing the authority and the protection of the New Zealand Bill of Rights. Now Jacinda is tinkering with it and we don't know what she's doing with it. We can't find out. That's terrifying. But why? Why all this? Because in order to bring in these, in these UN programs and global corporate fascism, because as I say to you, Left and right, it doesn't matter because behind the scenes it's the same puppeteer masters pulling it. It doesn't matter, it's a game that they use Helgelianism, Helgelian dialectic thinking. Problem, reaction, solution. And that's where you can have the same team members on different sides of the war, like World War II, working with each other and rubbing the societies together in a war conflict. But you've got people behind the scenes pulling it, pulling the strings. Well, why are they wanting to do this? Because they need to control food, they need to collapse the monetary system to introduce a cash to society. They've, but in order to do that, they've got to destroy the middle classes. They've got to destroy the middle classes. Why? To make us all dependent on the state. And they're doing it right now. They've just made it that the Ministry of Social Development is going to be in charge of all the food banks. That all us EWI members and, and tribal organisations we're doing it, community church groups. No, that's all the MSP now. Why? Because they want everyone to rely on the state. So what happens is, they collapse it all, they lock us all down, we give everyone seven grand each in business. We go, ooh, holiday, wow, awesome. Seven K, love it, I got it. But you know what, I sit there going, okay, this ain't gonna pay the mortgage in the next time around. And then what they're trying to do, of course, they're trying to achieve two things. One, put people into complacency that are the business owners, that are half asleep, and also demotivate the, the, the labour force. And that's, that's the plan, you see. Bring everyone down, dumb us down, put fluoride in our water, 1080 in our water, 1080 in our, 
in our whenua, poisons in our food, and hey presto, watch Sean's tree at 6 o'clock. Add that to it. Add that to it, because that's the dumb down process. We don't have TV in my home. Why? Because we want our children to have our value systems. Yeah. Not the value systems on Plymouth Disney Channel. Yeah. So the jokers with the labor force sit in the back and everyone's going, oh no, you see all these labor supporters saying, nah, auntie's just in there, she's cool, I'm getting my I'm getting my boots, I'm all good. But little do they know that when this system comes right in, those same people will be slave labour for the hierarchy. So what socialists don't tell you, they say, oh, social equity. You know, equity, bringing everyone into a good social environment, sounds good, have fun, cool, put a kaupapa, put a bit of getting on, sharing pipe, that's not what they're talking about. Because they use buzzwords like, you know, uh, social equity. Social equity is another way of saying everyone's the same. It doesn't matter how hard you work, destroy that part and blend you all into one homogenous society so that you're dependent 